All right, and we are live back on Under the Bonsai Tree with JJ. <laughs> What's that stuff? He's already playing to the camera now. <laughs> so I'm with my guest today, Justin, a good buddy of mine. How long have we been friends now, actually? Well, I came to Tokyo maybe a little, about two years ago, and then uh, not too long after that, I think we met up maybe a couple months after. Oh, yeah. And then before that, you were in Osaka, right? Mm -hmm. So, hi, everybody. My name is Justin. I'm uh, currently a actor here in Tokyo, along with my buddy JJ. And uh, I'm an American. I'm uh, about 40 years old, give or take a couple months. And, uh, yeah, I've done a lot of interesting things. Maybe maybe I'll talk about some of those, although this is JJ's show, so we'll let him, <laughs> we'll let him steer the ship. But, uh, yeah, happy to be here. Long-time listener. Uh, love the show. Glad to be here. Long time listener, thank you. <laughs> First off, uh, as you can tell with my Yankee style of sitting, uh, if you're watching on the YouTube, um, I got a small place, so this is the podcast area, so I apologize for that, Justin. No problem. <laughs> if we go into three three hours, we may get the sweaty butt on the carpet. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Get, get, your, uh, get your geisha here to give us a back massage or something. My what? Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so uh, we both live a pretty crazy lifestyle here in Tokyo, right? I mean, it's normal to us, you know, but, uh, and as far as the stuff that I've done, it seems relatively normal. I mean, I, I think right now here in Tokyo, it's the first time where I am where I want to be. I'm doing what I want to be doing. I just want to maintain that and maybe help it grow a little bit. Yeah, that sounds cool. But then, uh... You did, did you do acting in America? A little bit. So, uh, most of my, most of my skill set was based in stunts. Mm. So I started as a pro wrestler from the age of maybe, maybe 22. I moved to Minneapolis and was writing for Game Informer magazine. And then, uh, on the side I was studying wrestling from, from Eddie Sharkey and Terry Fox and Eddie Sharkey was a trainer of the Road Warriors and yeah. Jesse Ventura and Bob Backlund and Rick Rude and like all those guys all came from Minnesota and they were all trained by Eddie Sharkey. And then in my camp, as we called it, uh, Sean Devari was there, Austin Aries, my best friend in the world, was there, and uh, Ken Anderson, Mr. Kennedy, Mr. Anderson. Oh, he was Mr. From Kennedy. There. Yeah, and, and kind, of, kind of coming up before us were guys like CM Punk and Cole Cabana who were Kennedy. a little bit... Yeah, a little bit <laughs> nice. I, I wasn't waiting for it, but I should have. Yeah, yeah exactly. I made the pause on it. Sorry, keep going. So then we moved. I moved to uh, Los Angeles in 2003, 2004, and uh, kind of tried to make the transition to stunts because I was in Hollywood. I was in L.A., and um, it was so much easier. It was like, wow, I don't need to actually hit people, and we have extra takes, and it's safer. And yeah, so it was, it was a smooth transition for me and a lot of fun, and I trained with... Uh, Robert Goodwin was my sensei for 10 years, and he trained Christian Bale for Batman Begins. He trained the original Ninja Turtles for the first movie, um, and I was with him for about 10 years, was his assistant for about five. And then, you know, we'd try and pick up stunt gigs, try and pick up acting gigs, but I was also making pro wrestling video games for uh, for THQ, not NHQ. Like I, said, I, <laughs> I say NHQ? Because yeah, of NHK, <laughs> I think. Is the, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Um, but yeah, I made three WWE video games. I was the, the writer, director, and designer of the Road to WrestleMania, the story mode stuff. Nice. And I would direct the motion capture. And uh, yeah, that was a great gig, but um, yeah, I ended up leaving that to write a book and try and do more acting stuff but uh oh yeah i forgot you wrote a couple books right? yeah so, yeah a couple novels and they're on amazon they are right? yeah if you look me up at justin leaper you should be able to find my two novels and then i have a travelogue uh about my time with guar 
the heavy metal group Guar, who I toured with in 2014. Oh yeah, you toured for them for how many years? Just just one year, but I've I've known them forever. Yeah, was, like yeah. When I was 19, year. I went and they gave me a gig, but uh, they came to Japan for two shows right before Dave Brocky died, their lead singer. Mm. So it's kind of about my experience with them meets uh, the culture of Japan and my my idol fandom. I was a morning musume otaku. Yes. Yeah, like so there's a there's a cool aspect that J, uh, Justin. <laughs> there's a cool aspect that Justin as well. No, tons. I got to rewind there for a second too. So we got pro wrestling, then moving into acting in Hollywood. Then we got working for THQ. Then we got, uh, as we're going to dive into, this guy is big and macho here. And yet he's a super underground idol fan. <laughs> it's a really cool twerk of Justin that I really love. And I think that yes. uh, it's going to help pro propel him, propel him up into the industry in Japan sometime. Like a fr mutual friend of ours, Lady Beard, who's mm -hmm. really popular. But yeah, first, let's rewind. Because okay. the idol thing, we probably can talk a lot for. Sure, sure. Um, when you moved into Hollywood mm -hmm. to become an actor, mm -hmm. were you still doing wrestling at that time as well? No, I kind of decided to put aside the wrestling thing. I'd given that maybe maybe four years in Minnesota, and oh, while right. I was writing for Game Informer, I had a really good day job. Of course, it, during that time, it became the the biggest video game magazine in the world, in part because it was owned by GameStop, and they were kind of pushing it on on the store level. Um, you know, I saw my uh, Austin Aries, Sean Devari, Ken Kennedy, those guys go to WWE, and I, I, I didn't think I had it. You so you were working I mean? with them? Yeah, you were at doing times, matches with at Ken times, Kennedy. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were they were buddies of mine, and cool. and Aries and Devari were were Minnesota boys. Ken kind of came up from Wisconsin, but uh, yeah, I wrestled Aries so many times. We yeah, used yeah. To, oh, we used to beat the piss out of each other. Well, he always tell me these cool stories, and like you met Chris Jericho and hung out with him when he came to Japan. Yeah, we yeah time. talked and. And, you know, uh, when WWE came to, to Tokyo, I hung out with Aries was there. That was when he was the, the little spot that he was with that company. Mm. And then it was like me and, and, you know, eight other guys in Rapungi doing karaoke till four in the <laughs> WWE, you guys doing karaoke. That must have been mm -hmm. fun to hear. Yeah. That was, a, that was the first time I think I had, like, really good champagne. And it was like, oh, oh yeah, they had the champagne and the karaoke. Yeah. Crazy. So rewinding again a bit. So what... Uh, like four years and you got that kind of really good niche in the wrestling industry though it's pretty impressive actually yeah it was you know i was getting i was not wanting for bookings but unlike those guys i didn't have the schedule flexibility to say oh i'm going to go down to ohio and wrestle one one gig for maybe gas money you know what mm. i mean like they were really expanding their their reach and their footprint in the industry whereas i was just kind of confined to minnesota now i go ah, to green bay or i go up to canada once or twice and uh you know ply my trade there but um i just i, I felt like, like you know if you have it or not and yeah. i felt like i didn't have it i was good but i wasn't that good and uh i thought like okay i'm moving let's let's restart let's see if the the stunt thing because my 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 offense was more martial arts based anyway because mm -hmm. i'm a martial art long time martial artist like you and i was doing a lot of kicks and strikes and stuff and i thought well let's let's get back into the martial arts okay cool well when goes. did you start martial arts um and what did you start with yeah so i was gonna join football in uh like going into freshman year of high school yeah i was like okay that's what people are doing i didn't really like football but whatatever i was kind of a big kid let's do it and my mom big kids and understatement <laughs> and my mom thought she's like uh do you really want to do that you had asthma blah 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 she's like why don't why don't you take 
taekwondo instead okay and i was like okay like my mom was very hands-off i raised myself a lot like from eight years old i was alone all the time and oh yeah, yeah. so this was one of the few times that she stepped up and said like hey do this and i was like okay and i did and it was such a great thing for me i think it really helped my my self-discipline it helped my disposition i was i i guess i was kind of a misbehaving kid and that kind of set me straight a little bit so i took taekwondo about four or five years and then uh yeah, so that's what a lot, you know, super kicks and axe kicks and roundhouse kicks was a lot of my offense. Stealing yeah. stuff from Tajiri, stealing stuff from, <laughs> you know, Rob Van Dam. Yeah. I was originally Helmut von Strauss, so I would go, Helmut oh, yeah? von Strauss. Yeah. <laughs> Playing the German guy? Yeah, yeah. That's had, a pretty had, good gimmick. I had I like a bald that. head and a pointy beard. I, I saw thought, that. Maybe we'll put the pictures up on YouTube because mm-hmm. you look badass, man. <laughs> like, you look at him now, he's a really nice guy, but when he's in full wrestling mode, God Damn, I don't think anyone would miss with this guy. And then we got to talk about uh, Kudobi that we did where he scared the crap out of this Japanese girl. He's like, Josh, I'm just going to go full, full heel on this girl. Yeah, because everybody else was like, (laughs) oh, yeah, I'm happy. And all Japanese guys were just so stoic. They're like, yeah, I'm body mass. I'll do my best. And I was like, I already beat that fucking horse. (laughs) That horse is afraid of me, motherfucker. Oh, that was good, too. Oh, she played along, but she was also a little bit... We'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. That was like our second meeting, I think, after the the stunt gig we did. And we had a lot of time because there was so much downtime on that day. Yeah. So we could could catch up. Watching people fall in the water. (laughs) Everyone fell. Okay, we'll go back to that because that's a good story, too. Um, So you started with Taekwondo then? Was that... Yeah. Did you go into any other... Well, it was, so I say my, my martial arts journey was Taekwondo to pro wrestling, because that's a martial, I mean, that's, you know, learning how to fall and and, and learning body control. There's there's a lot involved in that. It's almost like a mixed martial art in my oh, view. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you got, like, Kurt Hanning and a lot of the old school wrestlers were actually good wrestlers. Mm-hmm, like, well, Kurt Hanning took took out Brock Lesnar. You heard that story, Yeah, right? of course I did on the Love plane. Him. Perfect. Yeah. So then, um, yeah, I was pro wrestling, and then when I moved to L.A., Man, I was training with uh, Gokor Chivichian is a, an Armenian undefeated 400 fights mixed martial artist. Judo Jean Labelle, of course, is legendary. Got to train with him. Uh, Benny the Jedikides is a, a world oh, yeah. champion kickboxer. I mean, he would come to he Benny the Jedikides if you don't know him, and he's he was John Cusack's uh, sensei for a long time and did a lot of movie stuff. You'd see him and stuff, but he would go to Japan and he would say, "All right, karate style rules. Your best guy." And he would beat the shit out of everybody. Well, he was like the original Kumite too, wasn't he? He was that kind I, of thing. I remember yeah. research, researching him a while ago because a lot mm. of people say Benny the Jet is just as good as Bruce Lee or better. Mm. So I remember like, oh, who the fuck was Benny the Jet again? Hmm. And I was going back to him. And yeah, he's impressive as hell. Well, his he's got a fight with uh, Jackie Chan on this movie called Meals, Wheels on Meals, it's called. You were telling and me about that recently. That's like a seven-minute <laughs> fight, and it's him and Jackie Chan are just going at it. It's, it's great, and he's such a badass. He was in Gross Point Blank with John Cusack, and he had a really great fight scene with... And the funny story with, with uh, Benny the Jet is, uh, in my other stunt class, we kind of did a cover of that fight, of the Benny the Jet, uh, John Cusack fight. So we did it, and I had a copy of it, and I gave it to him at class one day. Oh, nice! And I was like, "Ah, oh, Sensei, this was, you know, we did this in, in your honor." And he and he came back the next week, and he was like, "I saw your tape. I thought it was pretty good for an amateur. It was pretty good." And I was like, "Ah, oh, thank you for the backhanded comments. Compliment, Sensei. That's great." <laughs> I like your impersonation of him. Your lips just pucker up. Yeah, it's pretty good, man. Yeah, well, he's he's Argentinian or sort. He's like a he's oh, like I a sh- he was American. No, he's like a shorter oh. guy, like not that big, but like. 
those I mean, you've been around Masters too. They have that yeah, intensity. Yeah. Gokor too is just like, hey buddy, how are you, buddy? But you're like, oh shit, he could like throw me through the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, in Japan, there's not a lot of big guys like you. So right. I sometimes forget, like when I went back to Canada for the first time in seven years too, I was like, oh yeah, shit. Right, I'm, I'm a, that big I'm of a, a guy. <laughs> I'm a medium in the U.S., man. But here, people are like, ooh. Like I remember one one director of a play I was doing was like, in, in, and I'm translating, but he said, you know. Oh, what, how did you get so big? I said, well, I trained, blah, blah, blah. He said, I, I, I don't think Japanese can get that big. Like, come on, man. I've seen rugby, recently, guys, rugby guys are big. There's a couple yeah, guys recently in there is, mm-hmm. They're getting bigger. But yeah, I remember like these. I was like, I, like skinny as hell because I came doing jujitsu for mm-hmm. how many years? And then I Burning came to Japan. Like a motherfucker, right? Yeah, like, fuck. Yeah, like a thousand calories per day or something like that. Crazy. Mm-hmm. I heard. Sense. But, um... Yeah, every Japanese girl and guy were like, oh my God, your vessel's so big. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I guess they are. Yeah, yeah. And then I go back to Canada, I'm like, what the hell were they smoking? They just haven't seen any of the, mm. these guys. Well, in, in Japan though, they have such an antiquated view on supplements and nutrition and everything. They're just well, eating rice and ramen. Yeah, and rice fills you up. They don't get the protein. Right. So they're, even at, even at the gym, I see, man, on the lap. So I got I to gotta rant just a minute. <laughs> at the lat pull, right? The lat, you got the bar and you pull down. Yeah. I see 95% of people are going behind the neck. Old women, like in shape dudes. And I'm like, what the hell? They're even doing that with the, with the, the free bar. They're putting it by, and I, I sometimes I have to go to them. I have to go. Please don't do that. Abunayo, kubito kata, your neck and shoulders. That's really dangerous. Like I talk to the staff. I'm like, look at those guys doing that. It's well, a lot of the machines too in Japan are outdated. Yes. Like they, yes. <laughs> they have like the city gyms here, and you'll see like the machines or the barbell rack and everything. And it's all rust crust, yeah. rust covered and stuff. Yeah. Like oh, now when I was in, pay the money. When I was in Osaka, we got three gym memberships. I worked for Universe Studios Japan yeah. uh, as a cast member for my well, first year Well, we'll get back here. to that. But at the gym, I would go in there and be these grandpas and grandmas, and they were working out. And I was inspired. I was like, oh, they're working really mm-hmm. hard. Like, there's dudes doing pull-ups like I can do pull-ups, and I can do well, some fucking pull-ups. There's a 90-year-old guy in my yeah. Japan. It's crazy. And, but here in Tokyo, strangely, like, I just see people, like, doing curls like this. Uh, 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 or... Bench like this. Uh, 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 and I'm like, oh. The mini pumps? Yeah, like, <laughs> why is why are the old people in Osaka so much more into it than the old people in Tokyo? I don't know. It's it's, But uh. it's, like, that. it's very distinct that the Osaka people I've seen working out are doing great and the ones here in Tokyo are just... That's interesting. Phoning interesting in. Maybe observation. Maybe it's a staff thing because we know that Osaka, well, Osaka people are, are a little more friendly. Yeah. And, yeah. Or and they're more relaxed. I think Tokyo yeah. people are very, you know, have to get it done. Mm-hmm. So they're looking for the shortcut. I think that's what it is. When they go to the gym, they're looking for the shortcut. How can I get bigger in the least <laughs> amount of time going only two times a week? Of course, a 70-year-old woman is not thinking that. But No, but they want to get into shape. Like sure. a lot of Osaka Obachans, too. They're just like, I still want to look good for my husband. It's like, wow, proud mm-hmm. on you. Well, and as long as they're not standing like the number seven, like some of those <laughs> to old crouch people, back. Yeah, you see these old people in Japan that are just looking at the floor yeah, permanently, and every time I see them, I kind of straighten up. And you, when you're, you know, you build up so much, so much here that it, I always see you. And and big guys like I need an are adult. kind of crunched up, <laughs> and you, you, it's it's for me too. It's tough because I'm kind of. I used to do to that open a lot that though. Chest. I used to do that a lot. I used to have my whole shoulders shut, mm-hmm. but then I heard like it's best to have them back. So I subconsciously try to put them back all the time now. 
Well, let me let me tell you that when we're off camera, I'll tell you this this thing that I saw on, on YouTube to uh, to do every workout to kind of open yourself why, up. Why why rob the viewers of that? Tell us now. <laughs> so there's this uh, YouTube channel I follow. I think it's called like Athlete X. I'm probably kidding. yeah yeah Marine. Athlete X. But no, they they do the thing where you you take the ropes on the on the pulley machine and, and put it to face poles. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I do those. Good, 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 I good. sent that to you. I thought I sent you that. Uh, we made a talk about. I'm going to have to go back in my line chat and find out. I said, he has, I do The guy with the bad memory is telling me what we talked about. No, I was talking, we're going to want offline attachment again, but I was just talking to someone the other day about bad memories. And I have a horrible bad memory that's due to lack of sleep, stress, all that mm. crap bothered up. But I was telling them, it's an interesting thing. I have like flash memories hmm. of my past and like hmm. being a baby. And like I was telling someone the other day, we we're talking about like music, like I heard it through the grapevine. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Whenever I hear that song, I have a flashback memory of when I was in kindergarten. So mm. that's under six years old. Right. So five, four, three years old. Sure. And I remember I loved that song because there was a California raisin raisins commercial. commercial. Yeah, the little raisins. And Hardy's yeah. used to sell those little figures that were awesome. Oh, you yeah. get one with the guitar, with the microphone, one with the guitar. One yeah, with yeah, the I had one of those. I had one of those. But then the weirdest thing is I have this, rip, like, just a flash memory of me holding a piece of paper that I drew mm -hmm. of a California raisin. Hmm. And it's like such an insignificant memory, mm -hmm. but I remember it. Hmm. That's like cool. you remember traumas and weird things and some things, but like such an insignificant mm. memory. I remember places weirdly. Memory is weird. I remember places where I've maybe only been a couple times or when I was like when I was living in LA, there's a place called Torrance, which has like a cocoa curry oh. and a couple, it's a very Asian influenced area. And I rarely went there, but I think about it all. Like when I'm shaving in the shower, it comes to my mind. Yeah, right. Which is really weird. Like, am I going to die there? Or smell memories is another mm, weird one. Yeah. I get one whenever it's autumn. I'll be like, oh, it's Halloween. It's getting close to Halloween because like the humidity is down, mm -hmm. you know, the temperature is changing. It's such a weird feeling. Hmm. And I think that could, is, and we go into a little Joe Rogan territory for a sec, but I feel that that's a little of uh, like past lives. Hmm. Like it goes into your past life and then you had some kind of trauma, traumatic, like I was listening to Joe Rogan talk about this recently, like a traumatic event in your past life that it carries on to your new mm. one. So you're kind of like, oh, it smells like Halloween. Oh, I don't feel so. It feels mm -hmm. kind of creepy. Mm -hmm. Why? I don't mm -hmm. have anything. So then it goes into your past life. Now what I uh, sort of on related to that, um, I keep a dream journal. That's cool. I wish anytime I, I dream vividly i'll wake up and i'll write it and usually when i'm writing i come up with more things but really the reason why the impetus for doing that was because i had hoped that like i sometimes have have instances and i'm like i dreamt this yeah you it's had... not a deja vu but it's a dream ja vu so you have like all these demonic symbols you have to write after your dream <laughs> so i want <laughs> what make... do these mean i want to make sure that i can I, I one day my dream is my dream my dream is to go back and go like see look Five years ago on this date, I dreamt that this thing happened so that, you know, my wife or whoever can go, yeah, great. Anyway, let's, what are and we then, And then you prove that you're a time traveler. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm trying to keep that under wraps for now. That was oh, an okay, NG okay. question, Josh. Oh, okay, shit. JJ. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, now going back, because <laughs> it's good to go off on these tangents. But uh, going back, so um, another interesting part of you was you went from, well, wrestling to stunt work. Mm -hmm. Now I went from martial arts to stunt work. Mm. So doing a little bit about myself really quickly, a side path. I went from Guma after my one year in Osaka University. I went to Guma and there I trained mixed martial arts mm -hmm. at a Brazilian gym, a dojo, mm. because Guma has a huge Brazilian population. Brazil and Japan are kind of kindred spirits in a weird way that you would. Yeah. So an outsider like us that. wouldn't have thought 
Well, yeah, like a lot of Japanese go to Brazil to, I forget why, it was maybe work, but a lot of Brazilians come to Japan for work because it's cheap labor, or it's good money to them Mm -hmm. for cheap labor for Japan Mm -hmm. doing construction that. But Guma just has a huge Brazilian population. And in the town of Ota, which I only went a couple times, but they're mostly half Brazilian, half Japan. Huh. They have Brazilian restaurants, they have Brazilian food, really good Brazilian food. Brazilian food food is great. Oh my God, so many Brazilian barbecues there. It's so good. There's a little shop. Steakhouses? If we ever go, I'll take you. They have like, dipped macaroni and cheese in the bread and i don't know why we don't have it in the u.s or canada <laughs> but it's freaking amazing so good and then they have the brazilian meat thing ah, anyways enough food porn so i trained in the town of isisaki in guma and uh it uh yeah the head the head teacher was brazilian hmm. um all of them spoke more brazilian than japanese it was very difficult for me oh wow i bet um but yeah, I trained there for the two and a half years I was here doing mixed martial arts. I was thinking to be a professional, like speeding this up now, I was thinking to be a professional mm-hmm. MMA fighter. I trained with him. Uh, my sensei was winning the, he won the title for Deep, which is a hmm. Japanese, um, I guess amateur before pro, pretty much pro promotion. Uh, and he was like, yeah, you can do it. You should do it. We can train. Um, I was tapping out black belts. I was doing freaking amazing. But then it just dawned on me and it was like, bam. How much money am I going to make in this? Mm, yeah. It's not about the money, but I have to make a living, right? Well, especially the risk that you put on your body to yeah. do those things. So I kind of researched it and I'm like, well, okay, before I'm like UFC fighter, how much do I make? And you make about $300 sanman mm-hmm. per fight. I'm like, it's not mm. enough if I break my leg or break my whatever. Right. And then I was like, okay, hey, well, what can I do with 24 plus years of mixed martial arts experience? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then I looked on the internet, I found this article in Japan about uh, an uh, American named Chuck Johnson who's doing a stunt class in Tokyo. And we all know Chuck Johnson. All of yeah. our, Even those who aren't involved in stunts here in Japan know about Chuck Johnson. He's been in the movie industry for a while. He's worked on Godzilla. He's worked on a lot of films here. He was like the only stunt guy in Japan for the longest time. For Gaijin. Yeah. So I called him up and I was like, yeah, you know, I have 24 years of experience, um, Shit kind of hit the fan in Gutma. That's another story for another day. So I needed to move to Tokyo. I wanted to pursue my dream of becoming a comedian, which was also deep inside my soul for the longest time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to become a comedian, get in the media industry. And my gate, one of my like niches will be stunts because mm-hmm. I can do fight choreography very easy. So that's how I got into stunts mm. from martial arts. Going 24 plus years of martial arts, I'm not going to be an MMA fighter. What can I do with this? Because this is a skill. But let's just say that let's just say that stunts in stunts for people like us in Japan is a very limited uh, niche. You know, yeah, yeah. There's there's not a lot of options. And Chuck has carved out a good niche for himself as kind of the gaijin stunt guy. Um, but a lot of times, a stunts don't pay very well here in no. Japan because there's no union. In America, we'd be getting. A, a pay bump every time that we did that stunt or, or you know, um, anything after eight hours, blah, blah. But talking about no union in Japan is a, is a one episode. In Let's itself. go back a bit. Let's... But, 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 okay. but um, usually stunt teams, stunt teams rule the roost in Japan and even in cinema in America. And they're usually run by a Japanese person with his Japanese people. So it's rare for them to say, hey, we want a white guy who can do stunts. And if they do, usually they hire us as actors and then like, kind of pile it on top like oh yeah by the way who's the stunt guy here that happened to me once on set oh, like damn. hey everybody who's here to be an actor who's the stunt guy and i was like uh <laughs> i am a stunt guy but like, okay we'll fall on your ass 20 times on concrete like 
Oh, you told oh, me about Oh, for that, the yeah. same 500 bucks, I was going to get paid. Fine. So you don't have to get some guy to do it who's going to hurt themselves. I'll do it. Well, we have a couple good stunt stories, especially how we first met. So let's rewind one second, though. I'm kind of interested in this as well. How, through your experience, you've been a stunt guy in Japan. You've been a stunt guy in the U.S. How long were you doing stunts in the U.S., real quick, actually? I mean, you know, I did 10 years with, with Bob Goodwin as... Oh, As in film fighting LA, mm. so I was teaching and and taking the class and everything, and I you know here and there I'd pick up stuff, uh, movies and TV shows and uh, yeah like just here and there kind of stuff. I mean it was oh, it was sporadic, years. but yeah, ten years in LA doing stunt based things. And then in Japan about. Nah, I mean it's been two years that I've been here, but really yeah. like I mean it's the thing a, that the thing much. that you and I did together. Um, was was a stunt gig you know those are yeah. few and far between yeah we don't get a lot of those mm-hmm. um so about 10 years so you have a good you can kind of compare already then i think 10 and 2 uh what are the major difference differences from doing stunts in the u.s and doing stunts in japan yeah so it it, it all like i said before it all goes down to unions because unions are designed to support and protect the talent right yeah so the union says you cannot work this much without extra pay. You are required to have this kind of uh, equipment on set to protect you, and this you need, you know, a fight guy or a safety guy and that kind of stuff. So you're so well protected here. In anything that we do as as actors, performers, really, us our only means of support are the agencies. Yeah, uh, and they're kind of they're kind of handcuffed themselves on what they can do, but. So if, if we're working, if I work a 15-hour shoot that was supposed to be eight-hour shoot, my really only recourse is to go to my agent and say, hey, I've been here 15 hours. They've only fed us once. Please get me more money. You know, and they can try and renegotiate or whatever. A rice ball. Yeah, yeah. Basically. Some of those little pickles and that's your dinner. Pickles. <laughs> you know, no, little I'm pink pickles. Yeah, I love them. Not, not the pickle ginger, but the like actual, the Chinese pickles I really like. But uh, so, yeah, you know, here... I hear in everything work-wise in Japan, the employee is grateful to have the job. That's how the philosophy yeah. is. Yeah. So if well, you are a stuntman on set, you are grateful to have it, and you will do it as many times as they tell you to do it. And if you get hurt, that's tough shit. And, you know, you just got to gum on your way through it. Yep. And, uh, you know, like on that thing that we did, they had some really good guys there who were advising us and trying to help, you know, have Peter with his thing and stuff. Yeah, we you had know, the had whole Japanese. Well, we'll yeah. get back to that. And they You're... were they were low-paid guys, I think think like we'll they go back paid. to that okay. you're 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 plowing through your story see i'm i'm a good uh what would i be an mc in this i'm, I'm looking the at the beastie the boys i'm like yeah the MC. See, I'm because the because uh adam yauk uh died on may 4th and it's may 5th in japan now but uh, i was reading my twitter <laughs> feed, my, my facebook feed from like you know years past and yeah. he had died so i, I wore the shirt shit i got a beastie boys shirt i should rock that too well you I got the Metal Gear. <laughs> what, how is that Metal Gear? Oh, because there's boxes Gear, on yeah. Okay, cool. Hideo Kojima. Yeah. Can't I talk about him. it. I met him. I can't really talk about cool it. Really cool guy. Oh, see. So they make us sign contracts to secrecy. But a lot of us just talk about it. But okay, rewind it though. Because you have such a good story and we're getting such a good... I feel this is really cool. Like I hope uh-huh. people hear your story. How do you feel? <laughs> I can't hear you. Uh-huh. Stop. Listen. He, okay, he hears other voices. To stop and listen. I was back. <laughs> I won't go into that. <laughs> oh, see, there's a Beastie Boys song that you got to stop, stop. No, that's not even them. That's Vanilla Ice. Oh, it's a Rollins song. Okay, anyway. We're both screwing up right Sorry, now. Yeah. Uh, so um, tell me about uh, when you first came to Japan, the transition from 
why you decided to go to Japan, and then how it all mm. flowed into it. Okay, great. So when I was at THQ making video games, our developer Yuke's is in Yokohama. I know so Yuke's. every three, maybe three times a year, I would go to Yokohama to do meetings, and I would make sure to have an extra day or two to come to Japan. I've been coming to Japan since 2002 Tokyo Game Show. Oh damn! And there I uh, did you dress up? <clears throat> no. But I, I took some pictures with some characters and whatever that was kind yeah, of fun. But uh, I also <laughs> got to do, like, I went to Konami, saw a bunch of stuff. I went to Square Enix and did a feature on Star Ocean 3, I think, oh, for Game Informer yeah. Magazine. So that was my first time in Japan. And ever since, I would, you know, come for uh, vacations. And, and then I did the THQ stuff. And, hmm? R&R. <laughs> R&R, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd always want to come back to, to Tokyo, come back to Japan oh, for right. sure. So I before I moved to Japan, I'd come ten times to visit. But damn, uh, a year, ten times a year? No, ten times total. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but then uh, USJ was hiring; they were actually casting for stunt people for Terminator, and I thought, oh. okay, maybe that would be good for me. I went to the auditions, and afterwards, I said arigato gozaimashita, and they said, do you speak some Japanese? I said yes, and then JJ left. Uh, no, keep going. And, and then I read for Harry Potter roles, and I actually got a role. With uh, in the Harry Potter universe of Universal Studios Japan, the universe and, of the universe, and came in for a year. Um, and the nice thing was because I've been looking to come to Japan, looking to find a way, like with agencies, with visas, whatever. I didn't want to teach English. Nothing against people that come <laughs> to teach English, but I thought yeah. I'm in my 30s. I have this skill set, this resume. I want to come on the merits of that. So, how old were you when you first came to Japan? Ah, uh, well, that was. I mean, I'm, I think I was 38, maybe almost 38. Oh, really? Shit. See, I keep forgetting because this guy looks like he's 28. Cool. Yeah. Uh, he looks so, like a Zoolander with that syndrome. <laughs> I get that sometimes. I get that sometimes. Uh, yeah, so I always wanted to come to Japan, and, and USJ made it so easy for me, and it was a year. I thought it would be more than a year. I thought, okay, cool. My first year, I'll get to know Osaka, get to love Osaka, and then after that, I'll go to Kobe and and. Uh, Wow, why am I... Kyoto. Kyoto, thank you. Wow, yeah. I, was, I was blanking. Um, but Kansai but USJ said, like, no, we're, you're, we're done with you after the first year. And I was like, okay, well, I got this entertainer visa. And they were like, nope, you can't use that entertainer visa because we're your sponsor. And I said, okay, I'll be right back. I'm going to go to immigration. And immigration said, no, go ahead, work. Tell us when you move and tell us what your employees are and make 2000 bucks or so a month and you're good to go. And I was like, oh, okay, good. So then I decided to come here because Osaka's got some other acting opportunities, but it's very limited. I was like, mm. I went to an agency. I talked to them. They were excited to have me. Yeah, they I had said, like three agencies. That's it. Yeah. I said, what's your what's your, what's your your busiest guy doing? They're like, oh, about three three gigs a month. I was like, I, that's not sustainable. So rewinding so, a bit though, what mm. did you do in uh, USJ Osaka? And I, when did, so you came when you were 38, you said? Yeah, I came in uh, March of 2016. So 2016 and... Wow, my memory is good today. And then your first time in Japan was 2002. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool. You had a long yeah. a long history with Japan. Mm -hmm. I wish I did. But anyways, <laughs> got a little bit of uriamashi a bit there. Mm. Uh, not jealousy. I don't like that word for the translation. But anyways, so what did you do? In, you, you, you came from where? I was living in California. Okay, so from California, you were doing your stunt gigs and you decided I was, to come to Japan? I was doing, so I had just gotten off tour with Guar kind of. I toured okay. with Guar year 2014. 2015, I came and auditioned uh, at USJ when they did their worldwide. So USJ tours the world looking for gaijin talent. And they go to, to Los Angeles. They go to Utah, strangely. They go to New York. They go oh, to really? Australia. Damn. They go to London. Oh, they go to crap. all these places. 
and uh, they do that every year. So yeah. For... So they pull people overseas. Oh yeah. I thought it was all you had to go into to Japan and do it. No, it's actually rare to Tricky. really. They only do internal auditions in Japan proper. Just like if you want to work at Tokyo Disney, they do not have an an internal hiring. Really, you, you'd have to be hired from outside unless you know somebody huh. who knows somebody. Or I didn't know that. So everyone from that we see in Tokyo Disneyland. In Tokyo, see in Tokyo. Well, it's Chiba. <laughs> I don't know why they call it Tokyo Disneyland, but it's in Chiba. Why? Um, why Japanese? People? I knew you were going to say that. Oh, that's a horrible comedian that I get compared to because he's the only white blonde-haired comedian, and then well, I get we thrown all, we in that all did, I mean, you know, you know that character that I'm planning. Like it, people compared me to him. Like I, yeah. one guy cannot have. Don't the, slap the table. Sorry. There's there's a mic there. <laughs> one, one guy cannot have the patent on being the white guy. I'm sorry. Yeah, but Japan's here. But we'll get back into that. What mm-hmm. we're talking about. So, yeah. So, Tokyo Disneyland and all that, they're all foreigners with probably no Japanese that wanted to come to Japan well, they're to all... experience Japan. So, they get a job from Disneyland from their home country. Right. But not even really. A lot of the people at USJ were uh, kind of lifetime theme park or cruise ship people singers or lifetime dancers. theme park yeah that's kind of that. what they do so i came to i came to usj because i wanted to work in japan i wanted to live in japan a lot of those people couldn't give a shit about japan yeah they don't learn the language that. they stay at the the mansion that we live in mansions the word for apartment complex not the haunted mansion right that's the thing. <laughs> i'd stay there that's pretty cool yeah right but uh there. they don't really learn the culture at all and then mm-hmm. i found that really weird because i wanted to embrace the culture when i moved here yeah course. Um, so I talked to a guy from Tokyo Disneyland. We're going to get into the dirt now. And then I'm going to ask you, remind me if I forget the uh, question about Disneyland. Okay. So, um, or shit, we'll, we'll flip that after I'll how tell you my on, story. How are we doing on time? Uh, we're okay. Um, I'm always worried that my mic is going to cut out. This so is only a second. We're about, what, 40 minutes in? 30. Oh, oh, we're yeah, we're doing good. Dozo. And we're not even halfway. This guy has a crazy story I want to share with y'all. So, um... So the first thing, yeah. So I heard from this guy. Mm-hmm. I was like, tell me the craziest crap. I'm going to rewind. So I met this guy on set, um, who I'll talk about in a second. But he told me, I was like, tell me the craziest thing about Tokyo Disney. Tell me all the secrets. Mm-hmm. I want to hear the dirt, I said. Mm. And he goes, ah, there's so much. Okay, how about this? Do you know why no one has ever died at Tokyo, or well, Disneyland in general, US or Japan or France or wherever? They, they have this image, like, no one has ever died at Disneyland. It's peaceful. Do you know why? I don't know why. Here's a creepy thing for all you listeners. And he told me, this is the secret of Disneyland. I'm giving you the dirt. So he said, the reason why no one ever dies in Disneyland is because if they have a heart attack or they fall off the jet coaster, they get cut up, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack the Ripper pops out and <laughs> just mm-hmm. stabs them. Like he they does. Bring, like he does. <laughs> they bring the body outside of Disneyland no. and have the medic declare that he's dead oh. then. Oh, boo. So they actually die mm. technically outside of oh. Disneyland. Even if they go on the jet coaster and their head goes bloop and it just gets cut off, you'll see that, Mickey Mouse kick, and Goofy just kick the head over the fence and say, oh no, it's, he died yeah, over there. Donald Duck is <laughs> brings out the head, throws it outside, tosses the body in the garbage can over the Disneyland wall and the medic comes up, uh, uh, I think he's dead. <laughs> You think? But that's true. I, he I believe swore it. I believe to God. It. I believe it. That's why. Because look at the whole the thing about Japanese police is like we solve every case. Well, they don't talk about the cases that don't get yes. they don't get reported. Yes. So Japan's the safest country in the world. 
because we bury the stuff after it happens. Now it is super safe. Don't get me wrong. It is, I mean, especially but I mean, compared like, to the U.S. Just like six months ago, some yak shot a guy in Ikebukuro or Ikebukuro. I always get Kabukicho, that mixed up. Kabukicho. Kabukicho. I always get those yeah. two mixed up. So at a karaoke place, mm -hmm. and it was in the news. It was everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then I tried to look it up like a month later to show a friend. Completely. Because it was a rare gun violence thing, right? Like is we, it rare though? Yeah. Well, I I believe I when know. they say it's about eight gun deaths a year. Well, I mean, the Yaks also have the Yamaguchi clan and another one, and they divided and then broke up, and then one got defeated. So, I mean, it's it's pretty... There's no not a lot of gang wars anymore. See, when I was a Yakuza in my time on PlayStation 3, I was just beating guys to death with, with bicycles and uh, street signs and stuff. Yeah, you were Yakuza. <laughs> I was, too. I didn't even finish the game, though. I'm, I'm bad on that. It's right there. It's great. Well, I've played... Oh, that's Yakuza 3. I've actually played yeah. that one. Yeah, that was like 80 hours it took me to beat that. Yeah, I kind of gave up. They have too many mini games. So I'm um, going back now. So that was okay. So Disneyland. So that guy too. The other thing he told me about Disneyland that was funny was uh, he was a really butch, butch, good-looking guy too. But then he kept talking about being gay, mm -hmm. which is fine. Mm -hmm. But he was like, yeah. And the other thing is, most of the really good-looking Disney princes and everything, there's two types of guys in Disneyland. He goes, a lot, ninety percent of them are gay. Mm. And then there's a 10% of the guys in Disneyland that did it because they wanted to hook up with the princesses and beautiful uh, girls or Japanese yeah, girls. I and he goes, but when it's all the guys in there, it's 90% guys that are gay in the mm. room. And the straight guys usually quit really, uh, quit really quick. Mm. Was that your experience in uh, USJ being a gay guy? <laughs> Just joking. It's going to kill me now. I, uh, there were a lot of, I mean, in any performance aspect, you know, especially when you have dancers and singers, there's a lot of, a lot of gay people there and mm. uh are our... more musically talented i think well here's my here's my theory and this is this might be bad to say but here's my theory oh, is that careful there's a there are a lot of very very talented gay actors hashtag me too and i feel like <laughs> uh when you're i'm not a homosexual but i feel like when people are homosexual they learn to mask that they learn to pretend to be somebody else to avoid persecution you know like maybe their dad to is like gonna that. hate okay but like but before, you know let's say let's yeah. say uh uh you know, Kevin Spacey or a Tom Cruise, if you think he's Kevin gay. Kevin Spacey's gay? <laughs> or a John Travolta, you know. The, whoever, yeah, John Travolta masked it. Whoever, but like, they're, they learn from a young age to mask who they are. I think before, that, yeah. That builds a talent. Recently, it's become uh, more wide. Because um, they become the prize. We don't have like straight parades. We shouldn't. Yeah, we shouldn't, but I'm just saying. We, like, that, that would be a discussion. That would they be have discussion. good pride. You and I would have a good discussion on that. Uh, but... In my green room, in the uh, Harry Potter green room, there were, I was a Ollivander. I was a, you know, wand, what was I called? A, a, a wand. wand keeper, wand keeper. So you know what I mean. And, uh, you know, we were all pretty much like just dude dudes, you know. Some yeah. of us were like fat beardy dudes. And <laughs> I we like were that mostly, category. There's not a lot of fat beardy gay dudes as far as I know. So like we were a lot there of, are there America. are 14 of us, oh, lumberjacks and stuff, sure. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. And I'm Canadian, okay. and lumberjacks are a super important profession. My dad is a was a lumberjack. My dad, my uncle. If we didn't have lumberjacks, your dad's your uncle. Oh, dude, we're gonna we're gonna edit this guy. So there were not a lot of uh, there were of the singers and dancers. There were a lot of, of gay men there. Okay, so um, and in in like our mansion, I'd say maybe fifty. Our mansion of guys. <laughs> again. Mansion is the word we use in Japanese for. Uh, Doing it from behind. Complex. Oh, okay, okay. Apartment complex, that's right. No, yeah, mansion means, well, apartment complex and 
Japanese English, not the mansion, right? The billionaires. I live in a mansion, but as you can see, <laughs> we have black curtains for a backdrop, and we have to sit on the floor because I don't have rooms for chairs. <laughs> It's <laughs> the same on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, so our green room was a lot of kind of dudes like me, and then、mm. you know the what's the green room? See that you always get fancy names in USJ; they take it so serious.、Uh, green room is just the the big dressing room, basically. Oh, okay. Dressing、okay. room for a lot of people, or where people hang out when they're not working. Yeah, but it was a good experience. Where the gay guys fluff their cocks. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, I tried to look. Speaking over the thumb, not looking down. Okay, so tell us the dirt on USJ. What's The Terminator show? Does he actually come from the future? <laughs> Man, I wanted to be Terminator so bad. Right? You look、I、like、really、you'd thought, make a good Terminator. I、really、thought I'd be great at it. That kind of maybe shows the politics that I didn't didn't get cast. <laughs> This big buff guy that looks like he should be the Terminator ends up being a freaking Harry Potter. Right? Because they they're like, okay, you're gonna be a sixty year old wizard, and I was like, really? Okay, if you're gonna send me to Japan. Well, I guess、fine. in Japan, forty is sixty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You don't see any idols once they turn thirty; they're done. Any girls in Japan once they're thirty, they feel that they can't have kids anymore. Thirty means you're dead, basically in Japan. No, it's true it's though, right? True, though. There's, there's Unless you're a guy for、yeah. some reason. If you're a guy when you're thirty, you can get like, and I, I don't. I'm not that kind of guy. But a lot of thirty-year-olds, forty and fifty-year-old guys actually get twenty-year-old girls in Japan. Hmm. Well, maybe they. I mean, there's that paternal respect and everything here, perhaps. Mm, or they like fatherly figures. I think that's another huge part of it. Well, paternal means fatherly. Don't you question my English teaching abilities? So okay, here's here, here's something I want to talk about. So there's、uh, when I put I, your finger up. When I was on set not too long ago, we had some NHK flew some guys in from from Los Angeles. Oh. And one、okay. guy was saying, "Oh, Tokyo is so much cheaper than Los Angeles. Like everything、mm. is cheaper." And I said to him, "Okay, I want you to go." Buy an apple, a pizza, and a pair of shoes. Yeah, and come back to me because an apple here is a buck and a half. A、yeah. pizza here is twenty five bucks, and it's thirty, like this big. Yeah, and、tiny. shoes are a hundred twenty bucks, and the shittiest of styles here. Do you think so? I think like、yeah. the sixty dollar Adidas or Nike is pretty cheap. Man, you go to you go to like Puma store or Nike store, and they're well. If you go to the official one, yeah. But if you go to ABC Mart or something, or one of the even that, but like ABC Mart in Shibuya, you're not gonna find a deal. I don't know about that. I, I I'm pretty happy that you can find like forty, sixty dollar Nike shoes. Air Jordans were sixty dollars at one point. I thought, well, maybe not Air Jordans, but look, it has like a little figure that looks like Air Jordan on it <laughs> with the Nike symbol. So I thought it was, but I saw Air Jordans. Is there probably Clyde Drexler's, <laughs> the cheap Air Jordan knockoff? I don't know who that is, but I'll laugh at it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, and let's rewind a bit.、Hmm. I love this podcast. It's having fun. I'm glad somebody loves it. Ouch! Ouch! I'm a hey. I've been listening since day one, man. I've been down the whole yeah, time. Yeah, my biggest fan. Yeah,、uh, for the podcast coming out three days ago. But anyways, so then you came to USJ.、Mm-hmm. You had your fun, white, waving your wand. If you have any crazy stories, tell us now. And then,、uh, so okay, here's one. I was in. Cut me off. You tell me to tell. Not joking. So I start my show. Uh, on a staircase, looking away from the crowd, we have freedom to do what we want. But that's how I start, and then、okay. people file in, and then I go、uh, hello, and I start my spiel. I I'm facing away, acting busy, putting wands away, and I hear all these girls kind of giggling and stuff, and I'm like, well, this is going to be a weird <laughs> show. And it's late; it's like nine thirty at night, and I turn around, it's idols, it's twenty、oh, idols, and then like eight of their managers 
and uh, this this idol group NH and what's the NMB forty eight? There's like a uh, Namba equivalent of AKB yeah, and and not NBA forty eight. NBA forty eight. And and well, anyway. Uh, but that's who yeah. they were, and they had come because AKB was was doing a show on USJ, and they were kind of like the support group. Oh, and trippy. then their managers let them come and tour the park. So I just turned around, and it was you know twenty cute twenty year old girls, and then their managers. So I have to pick a uh, special guest, or the the wand picks a special guest, <laughs> and like I couldn't have lost because they were all just engaged and bright and bubbly that's cool yeah idols yeah that was a really fun oh yeah we have to go back to your idol thing as well so then you went to okay and then after um usga kind of screwed you over you came to tokyo and when you came to tokyo you lost your usga gig what were you thinking what were you feeling and then what made you decide to become the actor and stunt here so i panicked a little bit when usga told me i wasn't coming back of course because i had i had doubled down on it you know, I was like, this is going to be my life here. And it wasn't. And I, I took a little time to freak out. And then I made a plan. I was like, okay, what can I do? Mm-hmm. I went to immigration. Like I said, I thought, well, should I get back into games in Japan? Can I do that even with my limited Japanese? Yeah, you could. Um, so I started looking at that road. I started looking, you know, I'd, I had, again, I always wanted to be an actor in Japan, in Tokyo, because I thought that I have a kinship with Tokyo and I have a very American look. And I thought it would translate so um, I did a couple fact-finding missions. I, I took the Shinkansen down up to Tokyo and interviewed with some agencies, mm-hmm. looked at apartments. And I, I really had a plan because some people, shit falls apart and they just freak out, right? And they just spin yeah. around and don't know what to do. And that happened to a couple other people who had the same thing happen to me. But I, luckily, maybe through my age and experience, I, I was able to devise a plan. So I thought, well, if I'm going to get an apartment, I at least need to be signed with agencies yeah so they it looks like there's a possibility of of uh income coming in so that's what i did i signed with with two or three agencies before moving who's here. your first agency remix oh, they've always okay. been my first choice yeah, that's our the whole our time. go-to yeah we love you hero <laughs> <laughs> yeah they've been they've been great to me Kaz. And, yeah uh, and then yeah so then i got the apartment and came here and luckily with the with the visa they give you about Two three months to kind of switch around because so you I, panicked, but you made it okay. I panicked, but I made and you it went okay. straight to acting. Mm-hmm. You want to hear my story? I don't think I told yes. you. This is going to be the because you're really you're you yeah you're the you, I did you're the smuggler's everything. run kind of thing. You're the Han <laughs> Solo run. of how to get to become an oh, actor. In damn, Tokyo. I like that. I'm the Han Solo of Tokyo. I love that. But basically, yeah, <laughs> you're my Chewbacca. <laughs> he died. Uh, much, much respect to oh, uh, yeah. Peter Mayhew, who died uh, recently. What a what a great guy! And by all accounts, yeah. just a super dude too. Yeah, that's I I saw that in the news recently too. It's pretty depressing. And he must have been a good guy to be able to wear that suit of hair oh, so yeah. much on set. And man, like, and we know how torture makeup and he, he was a werewolf man he basically did yeah, Chewbacca I did, recently I did, I did six hours of makeup to do <laughs> nine hours on set for a Daihatsu commercial so last you, year, a you can feel the Chewbacca I can I, I, it's kindred spirits yeah and uh with Chewbacca what's gonna say okay let's give him a 30 seconds of Chewy voice for no I gave I gave I gave once let's let's go back to you right. going okay so you're, you're my story mm-hmm. so um after Guma and doing the mixed martial arts um, I was also doing the JET program, uh, teaching English mm-hmm. down there to make money so that I could be um, 
a mixed martial arts. Because is that how you ended up in Guma? Because Guma is yeah. a weird place to show. They, but when you become a language teacher, they just kind of assign they, you they a place, place right? you, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mind, actually. Guma is amazing. I got a lot of stories to tell from there as well. But um, yeah, so I did jet program. That's one of the best paying jobs. It pays more than this. I was making Sanju Man uh, $3,000 or more once you put in like the little part-time jobs I did there. Mm-hmm. $3,500 to $4,000 a, hmm. a month. Hmm. And because um, I taught at a little bar too, which was good stories and oh, reminiscing. Um, but yeah, once that happened, my manager screwed me over in Guma. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh crap, what do I do now? Um, and screwed me over is I'll go dive into that too. He he basically said I could do three years, and then two and a half years through, with three months left or four months left on my contract, he's like, "Oh, I made a mistake. You can only do three years." And I was like, "Well, you made a mistake. Well, my apartment is given to me, so I have mm-hmm. to find a new apartment. I have mm-hmm. to find a new job. What the hell do I do?" Oh wow, yeah. So I panicked, and then I gave him my two months uh, notice. I found a job in what was I doing? My first job in Tokyo. I found a job in Tokyo. Okay, I remember now. I think it was this. Doing another uh, crazy, crazy English teaching job. I was mm. a substitute teacher okay. for American. Well, not Americans. All foreigners that quit their school or die. There's a lot of foreigners that die in Japan, weirdly enough, as teachers. So if you're ever thinking of coming to Japan for a teacher, prepare yourself mentally. <laughs> to die. You <laughs> to will die. die. <laughs> you will die if you teach English in Japan. <laughs> um... So I traveled to Yamaguchi Prefecture, hmm. Nagano, Kyushu, and I lived there wow. for two months. So hmm. compared to many foreigners, you did Osaka, Tokyo. Yep. I did Osaka, Tokyo, um, Gunma, Yamaguchi, Nagano, and Kyushu. I've lived in six My prefectures in hmm. Japan. And two months, basically, I taught maybe four hours a day because I was a substitute. And then I just, they gave me a car, so I traveled all over. When I went hmm. to Kyushu, I went to Nagasaki where the bomb was dropped. I went to... Uh, Shimabara, a very beautiful thing. I went to the hell onsen. So it was a good experience. Hmm. But I didn't have enough time. I, I, My first thing is I applied at agencies when I came to Tokyo. Sure. But I was getting a lot of jobs. But this job that I had is sending me out yeah. of Tokyo all the time. And then I'm paying $800 rent for my tiny ass apartment. I'm like, what's the point of living in Tokyo if I'm just being sent out all the time? Hmm. So I quit that after the six or whatever months I did. And I did it on good terms. And then I was panicking again. How do I pay for blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then I worked at a daycare. Hmm. I never told you this. Hmm. And for the first time in my life, I was changing diapers. And, shit. <laughs> and I wanted out. <laughs> How many diapers did you have to change before you were good at changing diapers? I think I avoided a lot. I think I only did like two. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Babies don't poop solid, right? Like it's almost always yeah, like wet. It was gross. It was I like guess because they don't eat solid food. Yeah. And then, um, but I only did that for like a month and then I finally was making enough money and then I found a couple other part-time jobs I did. But yeah, hmm. I was hand solo going through the poop and traveling. I'm telling you, man. Yeah. Wow. So it was a tough road for me too. And now we go to where but, we first met. Oh, sorry. But see, Josh, Josh is the kind of guy who, there's a lot of things that I admire about Josh and Thank JJ. You. And one of them is that uh, Set my name. <laughs> you know, you, you do you do what you need to do, and you you put your head down and you charge forward, and you say, "Well, this is not what I want to do, but this will help keep me afloat or help get me to where I want to be, so I will do it." And uh, yeah, man, you've always had that spirit. Like nobody I know works harder than JJ, and nobody is more driven 
to succeed, I think, than you are. Thanks, bro. And, uh, you know, that's inspirational to me. Well, and that's why I do it as well, right? I want to better my life, but I want to better the lives around me too. So creating inspiration. Thanks, man. My pleasure. Um, and then we go to where we first met. Mm -hmm. So was it the Wolven gig that we first met? I believe it was. I think so, I yeah. Oh, wait, first let's go back a bit too. What was your first gig as an actor in Japan? It might have been one of the, you know, when you first start with Remix, I think they kind of help you out and they give you those NHK, okay, Japanese, so you, NHK. you know, like the NHK world is the uh, worldwide kind of arm of NHK, which is like, our public broadcasting system, our PBS kind of thing. Mm. And uh, NHK World is a TV channel maybe on your cable where you can... It, it's basically all about Japanese culture and trying to uh, introduce Japan to the world. Yeah. And saying very basic... Teaching very basic Japanese. So I, I did a couple of those shows, but maybe it was... There's okay. also another thing I got from another agency that was uh, for a video for an English school where I would... <coughs> read this script and I would on camera I would go what does Jim like to do on Sundays ah uh, yeah and I and there were pages of that and I kind this of this is a red pen yeah not quite not quite that basic but so was asking some cognitive oh, okay. questions but uh, I did that I've done that maybe three four times since so they must have must have liked what I nice, was doing nice. but, you know that was like 300 bucks for two hours woo mm, yeah you know, that's little, good money though it is but you know it, but we get, we get when we book things we get paid well but you don't get paid to do the work i i say that you get paid to compensate for all the auditions yeah and all the travel well that's how i think of it time. too if it's not two hundred dollars then we we had one day audition that basically takes up your whole time because you have to take the train all the way to the meeting place you have mm -hmm. to wait there until it's your turn to audition and before, 20 years ago in Japan, they would pay us $100 per so audition, hear, even so if you I don't hear. get it, yeah. supposedly. Because they were that low on foreign talent that they needed to kind of entice people to come into auditions. So they would pay the talent just to audition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But now they don't give a crap. So right. don't give a shit. We can be dirty on my podcast. They don't give a shit. A shit. A shit. Now, we're not saying we don't appreciate the work because no, yeah, man, every, every time I get a booking, I say a little thank you prayer and it's, you know, it's an awesome feeling. Um, but yeah, there's, this is not a glam, but it's a day, not a glam you waste show. a day yeah, for audition. Yeah, to audition. And we, we and almost always we pay, pay for our own training. Yeah, we pay like 10 to 20, sometimes $20 to go to an audition. At times, yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. But anyways, so that's cool. And then I think, I can't remember exactly because it's been three, four, five years, but one of my first auditions with, with our mutual friend, Joel, mm. who maybe will come on the podcast, who knows? But we had an amazing, funny audition. It was like a history one. Mm -hmm. And Joel was a blue-eyed samurai, the first samurai to Japan. And I was like, why the hell didn't I get that job? <laughs> and uh, I was this other guy. And mm -hmm. the funny thing was we both had to get the fake beards put on. Oh, oh. And I had this big Fu Manchu-looking mustache, and it kept peeling off and yeah. fluttering when I talked. <laughs> so Joel couldn't stop laughing, and I couldn't mm. stop laughing because his beard looked literally like a pubes. So took, <laughs> took it right off the crotch, like mm. fresh with the crabs crawling in them. Like that jackass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of when I'm channeling that. And I was just like, oh my God, we just could not stop laughing because all you keep getting these pubes in his mouth. Oh, that's nasty, yeah. And he'd be doing his, like, yes, I did come to Japan to... <coughs> cut, cut. <laughs> and then I would talk and my mustache would be like just fluttering Ooh. out in the wind and he would start laughing. Mm. 
And it was super fun. And that's when me and Joel first had her job and we became good friends after that too now there he and joel are kind of rivals in a sense yeah. i was thinking, because they're, I they're similar age they're similar height they they're both kind of blonde haired westerners so i feel like you guys are both up for similar submitted we, for similar we're days. always on the same page and, and they've done commercials together they did a nivea commercial yeah. together which was a great commercial i'll put that up right there maybe on the youtube <laughs> but yeah it was a fun commercial that was the only time that i actually had that was the only time I felt like the guy shouldn't win, the foreigner won, because uh, oh, yeah. I actually had a Japanese, me and Joel, and the other foreigner that were in the commercial were three mains in the commercial as foreigners, mm-hmm. and there was three Japanese, and they had these nameplates on the <laughs> chest <laughs> saying our names, so I was like, ah, oh, hey Joshua, and he was like, oh, hey Joel, and these Japanese guys have their name tags, they to were our stand- stand-ins, stand-ins yeah. yeah, they were stand-ins, so what that's a, what, you know you made it. What a stand-in does is... They get there to set up the shots and the height and the lighting on camera so that the the talent, the stars, can be elsewhere. Superstar. Not, only have to go on set to do their jobs. Yeah. And that's so rare, though. I've never had that I wonder who Watanabe-san has for her stand-in. Watanabe? Yeah. Naomi. Naomi? Naomi. Yeah. So, no, I'm joking. That's me. <laughs> I love, I love Naomi. Well, you talked about together. her on the last show, which is why I brought her up. I met her at oh, USJ. She, oh. was, she was on set. She was backstage, and I was in full Olivander gear, and I made She's sure to say super hi. Nice. Nobody else I, knew who she was. That's how un- I love undialed Naomi. in Jeff, uh, the talent is at USJ. Well, Naomi, though, she she's huge overseas. Hmm. Yeah, she, I mean, she's yeah, going she's... to New York. She has a, her own fashion brand. Hmm. I was telling someone the other day, like, a lot of people think Matsumoto Hitoshi or Downtown are the most biggest comedians. They are in Japan. Mm. But when you consider Naomi, who's now in New York doing all this stuff, I think now I can safely say that hmm. she's the biggest comedian in Japan. Hmm. Although oh. they don't say she's comedian because she's not doing comedian on TV anymore. But I hope she's getting paid well. I hope oh, she's yeah. taking care of She's good. Because you hear about like Lola. Lola's Lola. a half Japanese woman, very pretty girl, who hmm. does a lot of modeling and, and uh, tarento. Uh, and uh, you know you hear about her and oh, her agency huge. having problems though, and small you know, I, small bump. But now she's so big well, in America; she's doing so good. Because we want people who are good at their craft to be well compensated. Yeah, especially us coming up, because you know us as foreign talent in Japan, we don't necessarily have people to look up to and go like, "I want to be like that guy," or "Yeah, that guy is where I want to be." We yeah. don't have our 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 Tom Cruises or our Keanu well, Reeves to look Bobby, up to so much. But yeah, I don't look up there. <laughs> like, like Dante Carver did, you know, has done really Dante's well. Dante's a friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. I met Actually, him I could probably have him on, on here. Yeah. He's a good guy. And he's a lot, big, he's a lot buffer than he looks on TV. Oh, he's too. huge, yeah. I saw him. He's like, he's like, oh, you go to the gym. I was like, look at you, man. I didn't even <laughs> he's know. He's like, you go to the gym? Do you even lift? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, 40, 50, well, however many years Japan has had television, there's not really been a big foreign star. There was a couple that were making it, but then, yeah. Well, they love Hollywood, like the stigma of oh, yeah. Hollywood. So Hollywood they love bringing people in, even if they're not. You know, I've done shows where they have some some big roles are guys that they fly in from Hollywood, and it's like, yeah. are they really that much better? No. Plus, they don't they don't understand what yoistato means or anything. So they or homebon. So they don't know the vernacular here. So there's that kind of uh, you know handicap to them. But I think just oh, we got a guy from Hollywood. That's great. Well, yeah, and then there was that story I think I told you before about the, they they were having a drama in Japan and they wanted a foreign actress to play this Scottish girl. Mm-hmm. And there was a bunch of Scottish girls in Japan that they could have chose from that are studying acting, that are doing acting mm-hmm. constantly. 
they decided to fly a girl from America down. And uh, when asked why, they were like, oh, well, I guess uh, they wanted someone that can play the role of a woman who just first came to Japan. And the girls are like, well, we've only been here for a year or two. I can think back a year. Yeah, right. And so they hired this girl from America, flew her down. So that's uh, $2,000 in airplanes that they could have saved as well. Hotels too. And uh, yeah, she was the main in this drama here when we have a huge community of actors and actresses. It was, all the girls were like, we have great people too. We have some really talented Amazing, yeah. And uh, communication in Japanese with the directors and that, even if you have just a basic Japanese, really helps. Yes. So when they hire these people over, they they put a lot on themselves too. Then they have to hire a translator or an interpreter yeah. to be on set. Okay, and we're live. Um, so <laughs> I'm just starting my podcast and I kind of didn't research that Anchor, the app that I'm using to record on right now, only allows 60 minutes. So if that's the case, I'm going to have to probably get off Anchor or just be careful of my time and make a part two if it goes longer like this. Um, so before we were cut off, me and Justin were just discussing the Justin first... Leeper at Justin Leeper underscore yo Twitter. Uh, Instagram is at US Justin Japan. Just, just so you don't forget. Just so, just so, yeah, because we didn't say it the last time. No, it's fine. Check People me out, continue. yo. Check me out, yo. Justin Leeper, yo. Um, so we were just talking about how we first met. So we're going to dive into that one more time. Um, sorry again, Justin, about that. No problem. Uh, so JJ and I did a commercial that he was the lead in and I was one of the, uh, couple fighters that, that he got to beat up. Well, let's rewind again. So what was your audition like again? My audition was, it was a fun audition. I remember they had some pads in the corner of an office. It was really kind of cramped. And uh, there was a guy for me to beat up and who was kind of <laughs> supposed to beat me up. And they wanted me to pretend like I was uh, kind of dopey and then a badass, kind of an accidental badass. Oh, yeah. We had like the same audition style, right? So mm-hmm. like I was told to be like the Dragon Ball episode. They go, hey, do you remember that Dragon Ball episode where Yamcha fights that guy and like the guy accidentally like, beats him up, like accidentally headbutts him and he looks sloppy, but he's actually really pro uh, martial artist and I was like oh yeah, yeah I remember that and like can you do that and I was like hell yeah I can do that and I aced it but then we forgot about this part but yeah you mentioned like you got a guy to beat up so there was a Japanese guy and they're like oh so you do MMA like what can you do I'm like well I can pick people up with double legs and drop them on their head I can do arm bars and chumo and they go can you do it on this guy <laughs> <laughs> and I was like uh yeah sure and I'm like picking him up and then lightly putting him down like oh my god I never got to do any of that in the commercial. No. Oh, meanwhile, I think yeah. I think I was showing them how I could, you know, put a full force kick towards a guy and not and barely touch him. And that guy was mm. so scared. Because <laughs> yeah, really, I did that too. A lot I did of the that punch stuff, like a second from yeah. the head. Yeah. And I think I picked him up and you know spun him around or something. <laughs> nice. And then uh, yeah, we met on there. And then yeah, you had that scene where you had like. Belly to belly, not belly to belly, belly to back suplex me kind of thing. Yeah, so they wanted, I mean, we all were kind of left to our own devices on what things to do with you. So I, you know, I've, I have a, a fight choreography background, so I came up with some kind of wrestlery stuff because I was going to be the wrestlery guy. Um, wrestlery. And I wanted to kind of grab Josh by the waist from behind and kind of go to, go to, sorry, JJ, <laughs> and pick him up and he would 
he would kind of escape and land on his feet behind me and then he would grab me by the waist and give me a, a release German suplex and I was hooked up to some wires to a wiring rig so I would fly away like uh, you know like Matrix Peter Pan. or something like Matrix Peter sounds Pan. cooler <laughs> <laughs> Matrix sounds cooler um, but you know I could kind of tell that they were a little skeptical of my plan and, and the guy that I was demonstrating it on was not wise to wrestling so he wasn't really helping me with the lift. So yeah. it, it was looking a little awkward. And then, you know, I, I could see in your eyes, JJ, that you were not, <laughs> you were interested, but not super confident. In it. I wanted to do it, but my fan, back was right? hurt. Mm -hmm. And what? You're a pro wrestling fan, right? Oh, I love pro wrestling. When did you first start watching wrestling? Going off tangent again. Well, I was really young. I mean, I would watch the Saturday morning shows, you know, and a Junkyard Dog was my favorite. Oh, wow. So you did a little bit more. I remember, like, we were talking about those past memories. I remember being on my mom's friend. Nothing dirty there. Friend's mm -hmm. knee. And uh, Big Boss Man I liked as a kid. When, oh, he was yeah. in, when he was in, like, the blue uniform, mm -hmm. when he was a good guy. I don't know why. I used to love Big Boss Well, him flipping that uh, nightstick was really cool. Oh, he was awesome at that, yeah. I have a, I have a, an official size. Like, those are heavy-duty, those real nightsticks. And I could, oh, yeah? I could flip that a little bit. Yeah. Nice. And then going back to our thing again. Mm -hmm. It's fun to go off these tangents. Um, what was it? Uh, yeah, and we had this trippy thing, right? So, like, I think you just did as good as me on the audition. But when I looked at the storyboard, it was, like, curly, blonde-haired waldo looking guy yeah it was definitely a where's that. waldo type that they were looking at and you fit that perfectly i mean you see you and with the glasses on and, and the costume and hmm. like there was no doubt that you were the guy to do that yeah and sometimes as we know they go for the looks rather than the acting as well in japan mm -hmm. um but it fits me with blonde hair <laughs> yeah meanwhile i was they had me in like a wrestling singlet they had this really <laughs> they almost looked like a, like, a, like a sex singlet you know what i mean like a <laughs> Like a cosplay kind of role play. A little thing. hole in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that part. You were looking at my ass a lot more than I was. No. But uh, strangely, then they put the the wire rig over the singlet. Yeah, so that I was had weird. this black wire rig. So I was like, well, how is this going to look? But they said, no, we're going to make it look like a retro game, like a Street Fighter or something. Because I end up like belly back suplexing you and you go flying off like a yeah, cartoon. Yeah, which was really cool. I have a video of it. The. Uh, the actual yeah 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 somebody i think uh, jonathan or or, or uh yeah somebody took video and then who else was there so chuck did too he did like a karate fight with me and then he did a bruce lee fight with me mm -hmm. and then there was a chung lee girl you remember that yeah yeah they contortionist her do the the spin bar kick yeah they had a contortionist girl that was like circus delayed on crack and she literally like went and did a handstand and put her legs out like a split I think I got the footage of that I can pop in on YouTube as yeah, well. Yeah, she was somehow up. So her head was closer to the ground. Her legs were up, but she her body was a T because her legs... Yeah. With, yeah, it, it was, was amazing. It was like um, really sexy, but also really like a Japanese horror movie. You know, like how the ghosts <laughs> can contort themselves. But it was, it was Chun Li Spimpert kid. Oh, yeah. She was <clears throat> Chun Li, definitely, man. She ate that. And then this guy that we became friends with, this Finnish chef. Petrie. Petri, he, I think that's how you say it. He, uh, I, he I was American, like a biker baseball Peter, whatever. <laughs> Peter, <laughs> it's Peter. Um, he was not experienced at all in in stuff, but they had him. I think didn't he end up like swinging at you with a baseball? Yeah, yeah. He like did some swings at me with a baseball, and then he had like this perfect. 
it looks funny in the cartoon. Like it looks like a cartoon when you watch the animated final product, but that's how he actually did it. He just like fell like a, <laughs> like he was a cardboard cut note being pushed over and he did it so well. He did amazing. And then you did an uppercut to me as like a boxer. That was kind of a late. Oh yeah. Edition. You played two people. Yeah. You did. Everyone played two people almost. Yeah. Well, so just you, me and just me and Chuck. Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. So you did the boxer too. And I did but the uppercut. We expected it to be, uh, like retro, like they pixelated or something. Yeah, we they thought used, it'd be Street Fighter. They kind of use rotoscoping, which is an old animation technique of kind of drawing right on top of the the films of. of yeah. Uh, which, yeah. This anim, the even though scene. I was okay, I felt bad for everyone else because and it looks better if it was just the actual thing. I thought it. it, it like she it literally weird. did Chung Li though. Yeah. And now you can't see. That's true. That's Except true. for the footage I'll put up. And yeah, it was, it was, to this day, that had to be my second favorite job in all of Japan. That was a good one. That was definitely a good one. My first was the, uh, the Inception uh, elevator they created that rolled around. I mean, once I finished that job, I'm like, there's never going to be another job like this. This is going to be the peak of my career in commercials. And four, whatever years later it was, Mm. but I'm, I'm sure there'll be something better in my future. How about you? What was your best job? Uh, I mean, I guess I'll t- my top three were the Daihatsu ad when I was a wolf man. And like I said mm. before, if it didn't get cut, uh, six hours of makeup, nine hours on set. It was just me and, and Daigo-san, who's this kind of male idol talent guy. Yeah, I worked with him too. He's cool. Hmm. And uh, yeah, that was amazing. Are we, we shouldn't talk too much. Right? <laughs> uh, but I, it was at, I think, Toho Cinemas, Toho Studios, and you know they gave me a big... Uh, dressing room, even though I didn't get to use it, they gave me the flowers at the end, which oh, yeah. is, is pretty traditional it's, for the lead. It's, it's rare, but when we get it, it's so nice. Yeah, I remember I had two right here on the side of my my wall. Oh, nice! And then they just like got they just died really quick because I didn't put them in water. Um, so that's a, that was a good one. I did that that Sanin, uh, kind of tourism commercial last fall where I got to oh, yeah, the narration. Yeah. Also, that you was like that, that one was, better than ours? That was four days on set. That was. That was, than just ours? the shots are so beautiful on that. You like it better than ours? Well, you were the lead in the one that we did, so that's why you like that. <laughs> you got, you got so paid like, double when you. I got paid. <laughs> and then the third one is a motion, long-term motion capture job for an upcoming game that I can't talk about. Well, shut up. You can't. I can't talk about that. You can't say the name? No, I can't even <laughs> say I was in it. Uh, I know, and I can't say. I'll do it out of respect. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, I, I that's cool. Get more that's cool. Work like that. But we'll yeah, have to talk I was I was doing that. doing performance capture, motion capture, and like I said before, I did uh, cutscene, motion capture, direction on mm. the WWE games, and oh. then to come to Japan and work um, to have facial capture with the camera in my face and and doing these really long scenes, which are like seven minutes of me talking, mm. um, was really and I got a lot of respect from a great director and and kind of helped bail the production out of a, a tough situation in a, in a certain okay. way. And, yeah, that was, I mean, that was, and that was a lot of work, too. That was great to have. And real quick, just for the listeners as well, um, yeah, I apologize that we can't tell you the name of the game, but we sign contracts and stuff that we can't, and basically they can sue us if we do, so out of respect for Justin, we can't say the name. Yeah, we, we don't want to, yeah. And e- recently, it. even when it's out, they don't want us to say it recently, which is kind of BS, because, I mean, how, how do we build a fan base, right? Yeah, we're, we're kind of the least of their concerns, I suppose. <laughs> They don't want us to get that Japanese yen, <laughs> but we're gonna, we're gonna. So here's a question, and you mentioned this in your last podcast. You're don't point about, at me. <laughs> sure. You're talking about how uh, I'm pointing in the total opposite direction. Now you are. <laughs> you were talking about how in comedy in Japan, mm. nobody makes any money, right? Because you have to pay to be on their oh, shows. Oh, wow, you really listened. Thank you. Yeah, of course I did. Mm. Um, 
so what I thought to myself while I was listening to that is I thought, well, how do, how do you make money then? What is the goal as a comedian in Japan? Where, where does the money finally come? You got to get famous. That's it. So, so what about those that are on TV or what if you're really, on those kind of those Grand Prix Manzai shows or whatever, do those people get paid? Not unless you win. Wow. So here's here's the kind of crap part of Japanese comedy. And it's and it's really a scam, really if if I'd be blunt. Um a lot of Japanese they'll they want to be comedians. That's their dream. So they write their material and a lot of them are really good too. A lot of the ones that don't get famous are even better than the people that are famous. It's and they're polished too sad, because yeah. they really work on the craft. I mean, it's the same with comedy in the US or wherever as well. You write your joke, you fail, you clean it up, you do it again, you do it again, and then you polish that turd into a gold nugget. <laughs> and uh, it gets really good. And then what these Japanese guys do is they enter these tournaments that are sponsored by the agencies. And usually, from what I found is if you're not in the agency you usually don't win but if you're in the agency you have the chance to win to get into the agency you have to pay about three thousand dollars sanjuman usually or more or less wow. which is about what sag membership is by yeah the screen oh really bill. i didn't know uh -huh. but anyway so they pay this money and then um they have a chance there's about i think i remember uh, it, of course it all depends because there was the orai the comedy boom in japan where everyone wanted to be a comedian now it's so so because YouTube is making more money and Japan figured out, hey, why if I'm funny, why would I go and pay all this money for a chance when I could do YouTube and I'm funny, I'd get people. I mean, fair enough, yeah. But um, So they pay $3,000 out of 4,000 people from the one agency, not all of them, 4,000, let's say 4,000 people join. 4,000 times $3,000. That agency makes a good chunk yeah, of money. Wow. Out of those 4,000, one or two of them will actually make it famous, mm. if that. Mm-hmm. And then you have ones that only have like a year run, so they disappear eventually. Right. Um, once they're on TV and they're a name, they'll start making money. Now there's endorsements too. I mean, like there's that that comedian Kuki. Yeah, yeah, him? yeah. He's he had like a right cookie now. shop, and he's got cookie. Uh, like you go to the little little gumball machines, and you can get you know his face on a pin or something yeah. in that. I but suppose. here's the trick: he's hmm. agency with Yoshimoto. Uh -huh. Yoshimoto takes ninety percent of all of your Hey. Wow. So they have the big tournament M1 in King of Kanto, yep. and they say you win Isenman, which I think is about $100,000. Okay. They take 90%. So you're left with, what is that, one or ten? Man. So ten, yeah. they take the money out of all of that as well. So we, as foreigners, I think they take 60%, which is still crap, because in America they take 10%. But the Japanese comedians, they just... <sighs> mm. So, yeah. So what I want to do eventually is I want to become a great comedian here and in the West and then maybe open up my own agency um, and help Japanese to be able to do their their art without having to pay. So even the lower end Japanese, right. in order to get noticed by an agency, they have to practice their art. To practice their art, they have to pay these theater groups. And like I said on the last podcast, usually about $10 or yes, a lot of five the, bucks a, a lot of them are ten dollars for one set too, mm. but the one I work at or the one I do is five. Now let's uh, I, something I'd like to talk about because I, as you stated earlier, I'm a big fan of underground idols. Yes, and you go to an underground idol live, and it's maybe six different acts, and they go up on stage and they have a twenty minute set, and then um, usually at the end of the show, the whole show, they have this thing called bupon, and bupon is where bupon. you get to do meet and greets and buy merchandise. And uh, something very popular here is to take pictures. It's it, you take like Polaroid pictures, they with, call it cheeky, right? yeah, checky, checky, with the idol that you like, and then they will sign it for you or something. It's like ten bucks. But that's how 
those girls make their money. Mm. They make their money at Bupon. They do not make their money for performing unless they book the show. I'm not. I'm not mm. sure the intricacies of it. I assume that you're at. You know, I I can't. I went to see JJ and his partner do a show once, and it was way more than than six acts because your sets were only maybe five minutes at most. Yeah. Um, and I assume that. Well, I mean, what what's Bupon like there? How does that? Wait, what's Bupon again though? So Bupon is like where we would buy the checky. Or oh, buy, okay. Buy the stickers or um, the t-shirts. Well, or... comedians, we also have... So we do our show with other comedians, usually. Yep. So it's usually the theater does a show, and you join, and you get your one... Your three to five minutes. Mm-hmm. Or some places, ten. And then that's it. And then you'll have a talk at the end, and they will play a game, what like the uh, uh, like an improv game or something, mm-hmm. as well as the end. But we also, as comedians, once we gather enough fans, we can go what they, uh, we can do what they call a tandoku live or your your own live. Mm-hmm. So we've done one so far only. I want to do more. My my partner, I don't know. Um, and we had about I think he got sixty to eighty people, mm-hmm. which is really good because our theater can only hold fifty. Now, do you take the? Do you guys eat the cost of renting that place? We out? did. We have the, and you booked the. Book yeah. the other show. We had to pay about $130 to book our theater that we regularly perform at. Mm. So we had to split that cost. Uh, everyone paid about, I think it was 1,300 yen. So okay. we made about $800 that night. But then 100 went to them, mm-hmm. the theater, to pay for that. Right. Then costs for certain things. So maybe that was $200. And then we had a live musical guest. So we had to pay her, and then we had one other comedian that usually I didn't, I didn't really like that we did that, but he, he wanted one more because they were friends, and he thought because this guy was on TV and he had a huge uh-huh. fan base, he thought that his fan base would come to watch him. Right. That's another part of Japan that if Japanese like one person, even if they go, yeah, please watch our friend, they won't. Okay. They they're not as supportive in that way as like if Johnny Depp says, hey, can you check out my friend's channel? People will check it out. Yeah. But anyways. Um, so we made uh, about a hundred dollars each at the end of it, but we did check uh, checkies and mm-hmm. screw that up. And my my partner got freaking thirty four, <laughs> and he was selling them for five dollars a piece. So okay. that's a lot of money. That's yeah. three hundred dollars in that. Yeah. And I got like fifteen, and it's probably his fans pitying me, but <laughs> but yeah. So we we can get money from the checkie as well. Yeah. But of course, to buy one of those cameras, they're about a hundred bucks. To buy the film is let's yeah. say a buck a. a, a picture yeah so yeah i mean there's you can make small amounts and then we had one good gig where uh this company wanted us to go to um ibaraki and perform at their um company in my image it's like a bot show and wrestling we call that a bot show oh yeah that's that they bought they paid for everything basically oh okay yeah yeah and so, I mean, we got a free trick to Baraki, we got a free hotel, we got some food, I think. So it was all worth it in that case, mm-hmm. if you think of it. But when we went there, I thought it would be like a whole bunch of companies, like performing on like front of 300 people. Yeah. I thought it was like a company, like party thing. Gotcha. Um, when we went, it was like a small, small town. It was countryside. <laughs> um, in the car. Yeah. There was maybe, I think, 10 max. Really? And my partner didn't mind, but to me, I was like, we're doing shows every week with... Uh, at least lowest is like 20, 10, and highest is 50, 60. Sure. And we'd always have a 50, 60 at the third showing because everyone's done school, blah, blah, blah. And so that was like, oh, crap. 
Right, because you want to be in front of as many people as possible to build your fan base. Yeah, and it's not even that. As a comedian, you want as much reactions as you yeah, can. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. you got to judge your thing by people's reactions, how they laugh, if it's a huh, or if it's a ha ha ha, if, it's, uh, if they clap, if, you know, like in the, in the beginning of this pod, uh, podcast, you heard me do a couple. That's, that's a, uh, I could say, what's that in English again? A bad habit you develop in Japan. So oh, when people okay. laugh, they want to clap their hands. Yeah, yeah. We don't really do that in the West, but living in Japan long enough, you pick up these little mm. bad habits or funny habit. Mm -hmm. So yeah, when Japanese laugh, they'll be <laughs> like these like weird claps as they laugh and collapse <laughs> in laughter. And those, you know, you hit it good. That's mm. like the top laugh. So what, what interested me in Japanese comedy when I, you know, watching you and watching other stuff, the, the Grand Prix stuff that you're talking about is... Man, manzai, right? Manzai, yeah. Manzai Japanese is the, the two-person comedy. And really, to me, and I may be wrong in my ignorance, but to me, and maybe people who don't know it, who are listening, it's it's rooted a lot in like the Elvis Costello, Elvis and Costello, the, the Laurel and Hardy kind of, you know, you got the straight man and the goofy guy um, who are kind of playing off each other. And it's, like you said last podcast, it's very fast. Yeah. And a lot of times here, it's, it's about uh, social miscues that kind of get the laugh so one guy will be telling the story the next guy the fun the fun you know straight man will tell the story the funny guy will come in with something kind of uncouth to say the straight guy will kind of admonish him and that's that's a good chunk of the the gags that happen in manzai as far from my uh, yeah, experience like uh, when you were mentioned uh abbott and costello abbott and costello a while ago i had to look i, I looked them up again to remember and they, like, they were the like the who's on first yeah guys. yeah and uh, I was like, oh, yeah, it is kind of like that. But I think Japanese comedy predates that. Hmm. And they've always, the main chunk has always been dual. There's not a lot that did stand-up comedy. It's always been two people playing and off each other. And they do sketches as well. There's a lot of sketches, two people or three people And there's many different styles. Done. So a lot of people describe it as a straight man in that. But there's also the double bokeh, which is two idiots. Okay. And those are really fun as well. Um, so one guy will be like, uh, I don't know, for example, like, oh, um, let's let's talk about Japanese history. And they'll be like, okay, oh, no, 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 no. He goes, oh, you know, you're doing it wrong. Let me do it. Okay, you try. Oh, no, 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 you know, no, you're uh -huh. doing it wrong too. So uh, they both do okay. a, a stupid guy and it's really sure. funny. And then you can get two straight people too. Well, nah, not really. But um, we're all gay. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they have different forms, even though it's mm -hmm. dual comedy. And then we have Konto, which is sketch comedy. Right. And I do a lot of that as At well. King of Conto is a big show. Like the, these comedy yeah. tournament shows are really popular. They're the biggest events in Japan. Like, mm -hmm. uh, and there are many hours too. Like it's not just a one hour. Oh, show. Yeah, Some of those shows are really long. Yeah. Um, when they do the New Year's specials at the end of the year, there's Kohaku, I think it's called. It's a musical event. But then there's like eight comedy ones at mm -hmm. the end of the year, including Downtown's Walatte Night. Well, yeah, you and can't that's, laugh. that's that's amazing. And everyone yeah. knows that. Yeah. So comedy really rules Japan. And like I always say, if you're a comedian, if you're a comedian first, you can become an actor and a singer. If you're a singer, you can't become a comedian and you can't become an actor. Or sometimes you can be an actor. And if you're an actor, you can't really become a singer and you're never going to be a comedian. Because they really typecast those three. Yeah, they do. Because if you're, yeah, comedian and actor are two very different things in Japan. Whereas a Tom Hanks or a Jim Carrey in America can be in, in the but West. But it's, yeah, it's both. different. Yeah. I never thought of it that way before either, but in the West, a comedian also kind of rules. So Jim Carrey is a comedian. They do stand up. You, you become stand up, then you do TV, then you do TV, then you do film. And then if he wanted, he could do music, but I don't, 
Yeah. It'd be Eddie hard. Murphy did music. Yeah, yeah, right? Mm. But it's not the other way around. Tom Hanks can do comedy roles, but he's never considered a comedian. He's well, let's look at a guy actor. like Jack Black. I mean, starting as an actor and doing Tenacious D as a comedian. Yeah, but he kind of started as a comedian actor, kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he was always a comedian. He never did stand-up to become a comedian, but he was doing something comedic. And Tenacious D in and of itself is kind of yeah. comedy music. I mean, even Japan, they have that too, right? So they'll yeah, have definitely. they'll have manzai, but what it is is actually one guy playing guitar yeah. and being silly, and the other guy, you know, being the the straight man. Well, and half the time, and again, I'm I'm not as experienced as you, but half the time when I see one person doing comedy, half the time he's got a guitar and he's singing or something. A lot, so it's of, a lot music, of it. A lot, a lot of it is musical based. They have one that I like that now. Whenever I say it, Japanese people are like, "Oh, furui, it's too old." But they go, "Nande daro?" Like, why is that? Mm-hmm. And they'll sing like something like a, I don't know, off the top of my head, they'll be like, um, it's something like you always are like, "Why does that happen?" I don't know, like a. Let's say the trains. Mm-hmm. They're like, why does, why does the train always go so fast or something? They'll be like, why does the train always go fast? Why does the train always go fast? Because that's the way it is. It's funny and it's catchy. It's a catchy uh-huh. tune, right? Uh-huh. Like a jingle. And then they have the other one that's like Taiso, the Japanese exercise. Mm. And they'll say something, something, something. And they'll be, of course. And then they'll sing like, this is the song of exercise done uh-huh. done like we usually see japanese exercising in japan right with that old radio music yeah yeah so we're like dun 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 atarimai taiso dun dun justin wa justin lipa demo justin viva atarimai taiso so i said his name is justin leaper but it sounds like Justin Bieber. It does. And, and then a Tademaya is, of course, that's mm. the way it is. It reminds me of you talk about exercise and music. Did you ever see those viral videos of the three girls who are like, uh, I have a bad case of diarrhea. Yeah. I have a bad case of diarrhea. Yeah, that's oh, so I show, weird. I showed my wife, my Japanese, my wife's Japanese, Tomoko. I showed her those uh, videos recently and she was... It's so weird though. It's actually yeah. like a Japanese video. I don't know what they were thinking. Like, well, they were trying to teach some English phrases. Yeah, yeah, in, but in like women weird, in weird. leotard saying, you know, please do not kill me. <laughs> I showed my girl uh, an episode of uh, Simpsons the other day where they went to Japan and it's like uh, oh, they, yeah. they're working in a squid factory. It's like knife goes in, guts come yeah. out. Knife goes in, guts come out. That's the Mr. Sparkle episode, man. Actually, I, I think it was a different one, or maybe <gasps> it was. But um, yeah, there was a Mr. Sparkle episode, and then I was telling, I showed a friend, a Japanese friend, before the Chin Pokemon, the South Park. Oh yeah, yeah. And then uh, Let's Fighting Love, the song when they were all anime ninjas. Oh yeah, 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 I got that. Yeah. And they just talk about penises and ball hair. <laughs> <laughs> and we, as foreigners, find it hilarious. But right. Japanese are just like, it's not funny. I don't get it. Well, I'm like, two, really? It's hilarious. Two things about, about comedy and, and the, the cultural differences. One is that a lot of Western comedy is built on lies. We say things that aren't true, yeah. and people know they're not true. So well, sarcasm and stuff like that, yeah. for example. But Japanese comedy is not based on lies, so they don't get how we find that funny. It, it, I think it, it, it's not based on real-life lies, but it's more based on exaggerations. So okay. there's a lot of okay. like out of this world stuff, like some things it's, and they call it Oyaji gags a lot, which is like just old man jokes really translated. Or but, dad, dad jokes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For example, what was it? Um, the one, the one that my, um, partner did recently, he goes, Oh, this is, 
I'm sorry, super funny, you got to do this. Hold a Q-tip, which in Japanese is called a membo, mm -hmm. and then dance and go da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I forget the rhyme. And then at the end, go mambo. Get it? Because mambo sounds like mambo. And I'm like, it's not that funny. That word. But in Japanese, they like that wordplay and kind of dad joke and exaggeration. Like, of course it's not. Is of course it's not mambo. I'm doing mambo holding a Q-tip, a mambo. Like, oh yeah, that's yeah, it's kind of funny, dad. But in Japan, they're like, ah, it's so great. Ah. And then and the, like, other, eh. the other thing is that, uh, like, Friends, my wife loves Friends. She's watched every episode yeah. a million times. It's a drama here. Yeah. It's not considered a comedy. Yeah, well, it's a sitcom. Right. But they don't, they don't, they are entertained by that kind of stuff. The average Japanese, and I don't mean to, to stereotype or generalize, but mm. the, you know, most Japanese people are entertained by that kind of thing, but they don't necessarily find it funny. Yeah, true. Which is, is interesting to me that they consider it a drama. Now, of course, drama is kind of a blanket term for anything that's scripted television here. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Japan Japan has weird... But they're not, there isn't a lot of scripted television here. So much of it, as you were saying oh, yeah. with your, your VTR and your variety stuff, a lot of Japanese TV is watching people watch something. Yeah. And a lot of it is food-based. Like half of the TV here is you're watching somebody eat... And saying how delicious it is, and the, there, there's a yeah. little window where somebody else is watching that person watch eat something, and they're amazed at how delicious the other person is saying it is. So we're supposed to look at that and go, "Oh yeah, that does look delicious." Yeah, I had that happen. Like I was doing a variety show with again uh, Naomi Watanabe, mm -hmm. and they had like this uh, drink that they came on, and there or was I there that day? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, and they're like, "It's supposed to make your tits bigger," and then I was like. Oh, I wonder what it tastes like. And I was like, are they going to give me a taste test? And they're just like, oh, it's so good. Oh, yeah, it's good. I was like, give me a fucking drink. So they don't, yeah. You don't need your tits to be bigger, buddy. You're, you're fine. I got a C cup. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's it's trippy, right? And then, uh, hmm, what's that? Helicopter? Helicopter? That's the part two. Um, yeah, so well, let's finish up part two then. I mean, we got a lot of stuff. Um, we still can talk for hours, so... All you listeners out there, make a comment. Um, let us know what parts you liked, what parts you enjoyed, what you want to hear more. Because, I mean, there are some other Japan podcasts out there, but, you know, everyone's different. Everyone has different stories. Um, I also mentioned the last one about chilling with Bozozoku. That was fun. And I, did, I don't yeah. even think I taught, told Justin this story. A video. Maybe the next time I can show him the video on my computer and get his reaction to that. <laughs> so we got a lot of stuff coming. Um, really fun. That's just the beginning of Under the Bonsai Tree. And uh, yeah, ha have fun. Wait up. Justin, where can they find you? So you can find me on Twitter at JustinLeeper underscore yo. You can find me on Instagram at USJustinJapan. And those would be your uh, your best ways to get in touch with me. Please uh, give me a look, give me a follow if you'd be so kind. Huh. Uh, I, you know, as you've heard here, I've done some eclectic things. I often post about my wrestling past or my video game past or, uh, you know, the, the weird stuff that I'm doing now. I haven't been to any Underground Idol shows this year, unfortunately, but I'm still a big supporter of, of that community here, which is a great community. Oh, yeah, we got to talk more of. about that. I forgot. And, and JJ has been to a show or two with me. Yeah. One really of my very stuff. first shows, too. I mean, oh, yeah? <laughs> remember those two guys picking us up? And 
And, uh, yeah, oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There were it was like a there. freaking punk concert. We we're getting like picked up by these guys on their shoulders. People yeah. were mosh pitting almost. And mosh pits are very rare here, but that was yeah. They they welcomed us really nice. Yeah. They were very full otaku nerd type guys. Otaku means nerd for those that don't know. And they were just uh, yeah. They were, they welcomed us. They were dancing with us. It's part of the whole. You know, Japan. We sometimes talk about how it's not super friendly to foreigners in a lot of ways, but. They're very warm and welcoming people, yeah. especially with the you know Certain the kind groups. of culture that you like, that they like, that they want to welcome you in and have you be part of that. Like martial arts too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll talk about that next time. We we went to one, uh, one one is was really just very Japanese idly poppy. One they were like S and M girls. Yeah, fetties. Yeah. <laughs> one of one of our favorites, and they put like a bone in his mouth. And what did they do to me? Did they handcuff me or what? You had something remember. around. Didn't you have the oh, dog Oh, yeah. Ears? She did no. like... No, she did... You had dog, dog ears, ears and a and bone. bone yeah. They made him a dog. And then the girl, uh, she put like an S&M rope around my neck. <laughs> and oh, she was so amazingly beautiful. Like, yeah, she caught me. And then they take like the checkies, the pictures at the end that are very... <laughs> very crazy yeah you get, so, you get you get an interesting uh yeah your your ten dollars is interesting yeah so if you want to hear more about that <laughs> and then we can put up maybe some videos and youtube links on that and we can talk just about that for an hour too i feel uh if you want to hear more about justin's idol things leave a comment let us know um also for me then did you have any more plugs you want to do before i no that's good okay Th thanks for having me on i'm, I'm happy to help uh help the bonsai tree grow thank you bro uh, I'm at Instagram, Twitter, pretty much everything at JJ Owadai. So J J O W A R I. And then the YouTube, um, cause I'm just going to start up a new YouTube. We don't have a really link. So just search under the bonsai tree and, uh, yeah, thank you everyone for listening and hopefully we can grow this as a community. Um, my goal is to maybe do live shows eventually. Um, get into the YouTube studio so I have a desk and can do kind of like a late night show kind cool. of thing. So please, please uh, like, share, and subscribe this. Please exactly. give JJ some please. love for his, encourage him in his efforts. And same with Justin. Check out his Instagram. I think we, we, we post a lot about our acting gigs on there as well. When we can. Do you have the werewolf pickup or did they tell you to take that down? I had to take that down. That sucks. Yeah. But uh, we can, we can link you to the YouTube link or something. And yeah. Thank you, everyone. Uh, we're going to grow this. We have a couple handfuls of podcasts in Japan, and I'm going to reach out to them, too, and get them on or me on there and create a community because the entrepreneur lifestyle in Japan is still way too small. So let's do it. Let's conquer with our Viking blood. You're Viking, too, aren't you? I'm Finnish. Uh, so not really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. This was Under the Bonsai Tree. Honomatana. See ya.